Amen. So, so go with me to Matthew chapter 6. We've, we, I think we started out here or, or somewhere there and we, we left it and we were all in other scriptures and maybe we'll, we'll actually finish the chapter today. Not on the Father, but in this chapter, Matthew chapter 6. Say weer? 1 tot 8 het ons dit al gedoen. Ok, we did 1 to 8. Hopefully we'll get further than that today. Ok, let's read from verse 5. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5. He's saying, when you pray... You should not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So, Jesus is just dealing with the motive of prayer, the motive of why uh, when you pray, you, you have your reward already. That is when you are praying to be seen. Okay, so, so many times people can stand in front of you and pray. Or many times when you pray in your group, you pray that, you try and pray so correct. Uh, as we say, doctrinally, all the words that are coming out of your mouth are so correct, but it's all to be seen and heard by the next person. But when you're praying in your two or three groups, you should be forgetting about the person next to you, in front of you, and you should be directing it to the Father because you want your reward from Him, not your praise from the people. Because when you pray like that, then you want praise from people, and then they'll tell you, wow, that was a nice prayer, so you got your reward. Okay, so <laughs> everything you asked and you said so nicely in prayer, you won't get from the Father. You got it from the people because that's what you really want. Verse 6. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father which is in secret. And your Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you must go to a private room physically. That, that means that when you also, it also means that when you pray in a group of two and three, have you shut out the people there that you so forget that you are, there's people in front of you and that you get so focused upon the Father that you shut the door upon people and then you're so aware of the Father that you almost forget that there's people next to you, there's people in front of you. Have you gone into your closet? Have you shut the door? And have you went to go and pray to the Father? Amen. So that's always a, a difficult thing. And many times that happens when you sing songs, when we say, let's sing, let's go into a time of worship. It's so difficult to go into the closet because the person next to you is hearing how you are singing. You're a little shy to lift up your hands. You're so aware of your surroundings. But you have to, you have to go into your closet. That means while you are standing there, you have to so cut off the people that you are so concentrated upon the Lord and then you begin to experience God. But why are you so aware of the person next to you? You know, you won't experience God at all. Amen? Uh, verse 7, But 
when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So, it's not how much you say, or it's not how, how much you repeat what you are saying that so irritates God. He says, ah, okay, take it. <laughs> you know, it's not the repetition of something. It's not the repeating of something. God, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, God. Give it, give it, give it, give it to me, God, please. You know, and so on. The repetition doesn't get the, 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 the answer. Or, or he says here, don't think that you will be heard for much speaking. And he uses the word earlier, repetitions. So it means repeating things over and over. And then verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. So whatever you desire from God, you must come in prayer being aware of the fact and the truth that the Father already knows what you are about to ask Him. He already knows what you're about to ask him. So you can't repeat it to him 20, 30 times and then think he's, he already knows what you're about to ask. Okay? So, and the word we said therefore in the Greek for know, it means that God is aware of your problems. God knows your father and Jesus uses the word father, not God. He uses the word father because he wants you to, to uh, get to know God as Father. And he's introducing you without telling you, let me tell you about the Father. He's telling you about the Father. And he says, your Father knows what you have need of. Your Father knows. Uh, uh, he, and the word know means he's, he's aware. And it means he's doing something about it. The Father is doing something about your problems. If you come with that surety, now you have to come to know God as Father and you have to know that the Father, it's not when, in the, for example, in the past if you pray, if I take many years back, if I pray, I want now something, I didn't know, He knows. I didn't think about it like that, that He knows what I want. And I didn't think about it that He's doing something about it. I rather thought, if I don't pray, He won't do Yeah, or we can say, thank you that you can do it. I know your heart. So in this scripture, you must come to know the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is that He's busy doing something about your needs. The Father is busy doing something about your needs. If you can come to realize that, if you can come to be aware of that, okay? You've got to be aware of that. And as you are aware of that, then you begin to know the Father. Okay? You become to know the Father that, you know, He hasn't forgotten me. But when you pray many times, you think He has forgotten. You think He's not aware of your problems. You see, and, and God wants us to come with that confidence to Him. Father, you're aware. You know. You know what I'm struggling with. You know my needs. I know you're doing something about it. And, and I think this is, where, this is where you need to come to a place where you settle it in your heart. You've got to, 
you've got to, as, as, I, don't know, I don't know how else to say, use the word settle, but you must come to a place where God is good and is good. Finish. Finish. God is good. My life may, may not look like God is good, but God is good. You understand? I don't know why life is not going well, but one thing I know, God is good. You see, have you settled it like that? You know, you know because really there's many reasons why things go wrong in our lives. There's many reasons. There, and, and, and it's so often so easy to blame the Father and to say, yeah, but you're doing nothing about it. You, I don't see you coming through for me. And it's so easy. And you know what? And I think that is where the devil loves to twist. Twist the character of God. If you remember, if you remember in Genesis chapter, chapter 3. But in, in chapter 2, God said they should not eat. They can eat from every tree except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God gave them every tree. There was a tr every tree in the garden was to be desired. But God said from this one you shouldn't eat. And then Satan came along and he told Eve, you know, and, he, and Satan made Eve doubt the character, the goodness of God. Why would God not want you to eat that specific tree you know see yeah God knows the minute you eat from the tree you'll be God's as if God was trying to keep them from something that was uh, that was really going to be good for them and God is now a bad father and is now trying to withhold them something from them the devil is always trying to twist things and that's why the Bible says be not deceived Okay, as Eve was. So it means there's a common, there's a common deception that goes around with us. That the, when you ask God for something, when you ask your father for something, and it doesn't happen when you ask him for it, that's when the devil says, okay, I know that you haven't settled it in your heart that the father is good. So now I can make you doubt his goodness. And if I can make you doubt his goodness, I will get you to do the very thing that you desire to do that's against his will. Did you all understand that? The devil will twist, will twist the scriptures for you so that you can do the very thing that is against his word. Because you doubt the father's love. You need to settle it in your heart. You need to get it over and over. God is, the father is aware of what you are struggling. And he is doing something about it. So the question is, can you believe that? The question is, can you believe that? And you might not know why now. But in the end, when he does answer you, it will make perfect sense. I remember years ago when I was going through struggles I said, Father, and I mean, I was, I was, my salary was getting cut and I was struggling in prayer. Things weren't going right. And I said to the, I said to the Father, why aren't you doing anything about my problems? Why are you letting me go through this stuff? What is happening? And, 
And there were so many questions, you know, but I always knew he has a very good answer for me. I just don't know why, but I'm very upset that it's not going the way I think it should go. Amen? Do you understand that? But when God answered me, it was, it was okay, I understand. Yeah, it wasn't you. It was me. You understand that? And so, so, for example, the scripture says, acknowledge Him in all your ways. Do you really acknowledge God in all your ways? Yeah, not always. I mean, I can say not always. Do you really acknowledge God? The scripture says in Proverbs, wisdom. It says, acknowledge me in all your ways and I shall direct your paths. The scripture says about wisdom, all my ways are peace. So if you acknowledged him in all your ways, all your ways should be in peace. Yeah, you first do it and then after you say, yes, Father, I must have asked but if it's going well, you won't ask him. You understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? Do you, have you really acknowledged God? How can you say, how can you blame God when you haven't acknowledged him in everything? I mean, so there's many reasons, there's many things that we can say. Okay, let's go on. Verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray you, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, we spoke about that already, that in verse 9, when you pray, you should pray to the Father. Okay, I know we, many of us pray to Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus wants to introduce you to the Father. So He wants you to pray to the Father. And we gave many scriptures for that already. I don't want to go through those scriptures where I proved uh, Paul and Peter and e. James and those guys were directing the people to pray to the Father. They themselves also pray to the Father. So the Son, Jesus Christ, wants you to ask the Father, pray to the Father. He wants to introduce you to the Father. Amen? So He wants you to get that. And uh, some of the other things we said was that the Father takes responsibility for you. For you. The Father takes responsibility for you. He takes responsibility for your needs. But the key question is, do you give the responsibility over to the Father? Because a son allows the Father to take responsibility for him. But an orphan says there's no one because an orphan has known his whole life that there is no one who takes care of him. He has to take care of himself. And you may even have a father, but he has never fathered you. Amen? You may have a father, but he hasn't fathered you. So you still, even though you say, I have a father, you will still say, but you will still have the mentality of an orphan because in your house you were treated as an orphan and not as a, as a son. And you didn't have a father who fathered you that you may be a son. Amen. So the father takes responsibility. An orphan has to fight for himself. An orphan has to take care of himself. An orphan has to feed himself, clothe himself, work for himself. Everything he must do is for himself. He does nothing for others. It's all about me, myself and I. That's an orphan. That's a big orphan. 
Okay, I know, I know God is your father and you call him your father and you say you're a child of God, but everything is about me, myself and I, and you do everything for yourself. Your prayers are dominated by yourself, by your needs and your problems. Everything you pray about is about you. Everything you pray about is about your needs. Everything you pray about is just about you, you, yourself and I. And by the time you finished, you haven't even prayed for anybody. And that's probably why you're so depressed about your problems because you're just praying constantly about your problems. Okay? Um, so you need, to, you need to realize that, that you, as a child of God, must not act like an orphan, but you must now start giving the responsibility over to the Father. And that's your challenge. That is your challenge. That is your challenge that you will have, is to give it over to the Father. Because you don't know that way of living, if you have not experienced it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't know that way of living. You don't know what it is like to live like that. To live like that. So, the Father will take responsibility. Now, if you are sure in who the Father is, then you know He's coming through. You know it's going to happen. You might not understand why. You might not understand when it's going to happen. Who is it going to use and all those type of things. But you know the Father is coming through. Finished. Do you understand that? You're all with me. Okay. So, then our Father, we pray for others. Verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, a son, the father has a will. And that's now not the testament I'm talking about. I'm talking about a desire, something he wants done, something he wants to accomplish in the earth. He has a kingdom that wants to come. An orphan is not concentrating upon the father's kingdom, and is not concentrating upon the Father's will. A son has given the responsibility over to the Father, and therefore he knows the Father's taking care of him, so he doesn't have to concentrate on his needs. So therefore he himself can focus, can focus upon, upon the will of the Father. Father, what is your will? What is your desire? Am I going too fast? Okay, sorry. I must get into a teaching mode so I can go slow. <laughs> must, must teach. Who say? Engels, okay. Leer Engels da so. Okay, an orphan concentrates upon his needs in prayer. But the son concentrates upon the father's will. That is why maybe most of us don't know what the father is doing. Because our prayers are dominated by our needs. Our, our needs. Our, our needs. A son focuses upon the Father's will. God is calling you to be sons of God. That means, that means that you as a son must search out the heart of the Father. When you pray, 
You are there to seek the heart of the Father. Seeking what is your heart? What is your purpose? What is your heart in the situation? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about what I want to do? How do you feel, Father, about the way I'm treating my brother and my sister? How do you feel? You see, it's the Father's heart. How do you feel about the way I treat my husband, my wife? The son becomes father-centered. The son becomes father-centered. The son's, a son of God, his primary goal is his father's will. His father's will. He's burdened with the father's will. He's, he carries the father's will upon his heart. He, he's worried. He's out there in prayer. And remember we said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Holy Spirit searches out the deep things in God. He helps you to search out the heart of God. You understand? Are you going in prayer and saying, Father, what is your will? What is it that you want me to do? Now, often, He's not worried about the Father's will. He's worried about getting his stuff sorted out. Do you understand? He's worried about those things. I, I believe that today the Lord wants you to hear this. He wants you to search his heart. Have you ever thought why you can confess your sins. This, what does the scripture say? Confess your sins and he shall forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How many of you have confessed a thing and just didn't get clean? And the scripture is there so simple. Confess your sins, he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you. But you confess, but you say, Father, I'm just not cleansed. Because the scripture says, godly sorrow leads to repentance. But worldly sorrow, I think, leads to death, if I remember the scriptures. In other words, there's two types of sorrows you can have. You can hard what you do. But it is because you're afraid of the embarrassment you are going to get. Because worldly sorrow is me, myself, and I centered. Godly sorrow is, Father, I have broken your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? When, when the reason you want to be cleansed is because, is because you don't want to be embarrassed about yourself. And so therefore you still love what you are doing. You want the Father to cleanse you from the thing you love. There needs first to come a godly sorrow into you. Do you understand what I'm saying? There first needs to be a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Repentance that brings deliverance. 
Jylle allemaal verstaan my, God die saak. For example, Saul, when he sinned and rebelled against God and didn't obey God's command, he repented and he didn't feel very good about it, that he didn't obey, but he was more worried about what the people were thinking. And he went to Samuel and said, Samuel, please don't leave. How am I going to look in front of the people? And I say, forgive me. But he didn't get delivered. David went and murdered a man, slept with another man's woman, wife, then planned to kill that man, then took that woman as one of his wives, raised up the child, but when the prophet came to him and told him, Nathan, what is this? And gave him a parable. Uh, if I remember the parable correctly, it was a parable about a certain man who had many sheep. And this one man had only these one or two sheep. If I remember, I must, if there's somebody who knows the story, something like that about the sheep. So I'm speaking it under correction, but I know it's more or less something I get. And he says, and he says there, and he says, and this man who had lots of sheep went and took that guy's sheep. And he said, what do you think, David, should be done to that man? And David said, man, what unrighteousness is this? Man, we will take everything away from that man and you know what, what, what. And Nathan said, you are that man. You had many. God, you could have asked God for anything and He could have given you everything you wanted. Yet you went and took something that belonged to someone else. David hit the ground, man. You read in Psalm 50, he goes down and he cries. Oh God, against you and you alone have I sinned. He, he, it's about I failed you. I'm not worried about what the people think. I failed you. Obviously in the beginning he was trying to cover it because he didn't want people to know. That's why he couldn't get free. But later on when it came, when Samuel spoke to Saul, Saul didn't go to God and say, God, I broke your heart. David's first response is, God, I sinned against you. That's why the prodigal son, when he went back to the father's house, his prayer was, he says, I, when he came to his sins, he says, I have sinned against heaven and against you, Father. It was no longer about what the people think. It was godly sorrow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. It's, do you realize you are sinning against God? The father, okay? The father, the father, um, the father has a will and a desire. Do you understand that? You have to search out the heart. David was a man after God's own heart. This guy, that's why I'm mean, to see more and more. Here is Solomon, a man who's wise. 
No man, he exceeds the wisdom of his father. There was no king like him. Jesus praised and said Solomon was a great king. But he said there's someone greater than him here. Referring to himself, Jesus Christ. Yet, this man's heart, Solomon, was not fixed to the heart of God. So, we can have all the wisdom, all the revelation, all these things, but if our heart is not connected to the heart of the Father, that's the thing about a son. A son is searching the heart of the Father. A son has the heart of the Father. The, the realization, you've got to search the heart. The Holy Spirit was given that you may search the heart of the Father. That you may delve deep into the Father's desires. May know the Father's desires. Oh, the Holy Spirit is so speaking to you guys. You've, you've got to search for the heart of the Father. The Father wants to introduce His heart to you. You as a son of God. If you say you are a son. If you say you are a son of God. Then you say my food is to do the will of my father. That's John 4.34. John 4.34. John 4.34. Okay, come please. Come my script, Alvin. John 4:34 John 4 Jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work A son has discovered the will of the father and has discovered it and now he's on a mission to finish the work. To accomplish the Father's will. Do you understand that? You see, and, and I think that the Father's will can many times be in conflict with your will. Okay? Uh, can be in conflict with your will. Jesus said, I think in Luke chapter 2, he said, Do you not know I must be about my father's business? This guy, this Jesus is 12 years old and he's training himself to be about the father's business, the father's will. The father's will. I think. That scripture is Luke 2.49. Luke 2.49. I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And... 
if, if you, and we're talking about coming to know God as, a, as Father so that you can come into your sonship, so you can live out your sonship. So you can't live out your sonship if you are not concerned about the Father's will. The Father's will. I'm looking for a scripture here that I'm thinking now of. And Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And he came out and went, and as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, or desired, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, he prays to the Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Thine is the kingdom. Okay, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here, Jesus knows the will of the Father. He knows it's the Father's will that he should die, that he must go to the cross. He knows the pain that he's about to experience. He knows that the suffering that he's going to go through. And it is, the, it is the only place in the Bible that I'm aware of. Maybe you know another place, but this is the only place in the Bible that I am aware of where Jesus' will for the first time is in conflict with the will of the Father. It's the first time now, we live in that place many times. We maybe live in that place monthly, weekly, maybe daily. I don't know. I don't know how much you've surrendered your will to the Father. Jesus never before had a problem with the Father's will. He never had a problem with what the Father desired because His desire was the Father's desire. Or the Father's desire was His, his heart. The Father's will was in his, in his heart. His will and purpose and desire was one with the Father. One with the Father. So that, that tells me that, that there's things that the Father will tell you to do that you don't necessarily want to do. You see, and so grace is not just always about God telling you to do the things that you desire to do. And then sometimes you won't feel the freedom to do it. 
you know, uh, in a sense of you feel, you almost feel that pressure to do it. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? You see, because the Father has a will and you might not have the same will. A simple example is, a simple example, the scripture will say, do not neglect coming together on the assembly, the church meetings. And then you feel, ah, I don't really want to go. But is that the will of the Father? Because the Word of God tells you the will of the Father. There's many things in the scriptures that is required of you, but you don't want to do it. But it's the Father's will. So it doesn't mean when you're always led by the Spirit that you might always want to do it. Doesn't mean when God gives you a commandment that you would always want to do it. Unless you have surrendered your will, then whatever the Father wants, you would just do it. This is what the book of Revelation says. The book of Revelation says where it says, there are those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And they follow him wherever he goes because they love not their own lives to death. They are not concerned about, about uh, what they will go. They're not concerned about what they're going to look like. They're not concerned about maybe what they will lose or whatever. They are concerned about the Father's will. Because they know in whatever the Father's will is, there, no matter what, the Father will take care of them. The Father has taken responsibility for them. Do you understand that? Are you guys with me? It, it, is, it is your priority as a son is the Father's will. Your, your entire being is dominated by the Father's will. And the Father's heart is your, cons your cares, your needs. Providing for you. Do you understand? You see? Ja, nee, natuurlijk. Je zult hem al Ons moet onderscheiden. We must discern if this is the Father's will. But, again, let me say to you, the Father's will, if you, when you came to Christ, didn't surrender everything to him right there at the cross. Then the, I guess, guarantee you most of the times the Father's will will not be your will. It will not be your will. Because your meat is not yet to do the Father's will. Can you say, can we, include myself, can we say like Jesus, my food I love of your will. I love of what you want. I love of what you desire. I want what you want, Father. I don't want what I want. I want what you want for me. Can you worry? 
Amen. Dis wat, dis wat Sean sê, frek, go die successfully to your will. Maar, Jesus is showing us how to be a son of God. And I want to show you now, I want, I want you to show, I mean, I wasn't even going to go here, this is just extras now. This is not my nose, this is extras. My, I sense the Holy Spirit here. You need, get this into you. The Father's will. You might not always agree with His will. You might sometimes be at conflict with this world. Is this what you want? Jesus said, if any man follows me, let him deny himself so that you can get my will. Pick up the cross and follow me. That means if you're going to follow Jesus, who is following the Father, if you're going to follow Jesus, there must be denial of yourself and the picking up of your cross. And Jesus will go say, he who loves his life shall lose it. But he who loses his life shall find it. Do you know why? Do you know why we lack the spiritual life that we need? It's because we have chosen many times to do the thing our own will. And that's why we lack the life in Christ that we desire. Because sometimes the things that God will ask you, there is, it's tough. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's tough. Think about Jesus. Now, I'm not giving a word here that anybody must leave their work and stuff like that. But I'm just giving you an example of what Jesus did. Jesus is going and he comes to this man and this man says, you know, uh, good master. And Jesus says, good, ma oh, good master. And now Jesus tells this man to leave everything. Everything and follow me. And the Bible says this man had great possessions. Great possessions. And the Bible says, the man went away sad. The will of the Father was revealed through the Son. Follow me. And the man went away sad. That's an example of, you will not always sometimes feel the joy. Or you will feel the intense warfare battle in your mind to become obedient to the will of the Father. Amen. I'm just giving you an example, please. Don't we no panicky. Don't panic now. Okay? But I want to show you the Father's will. The Father's will is that you would know His will for you. But it will be easy to know the Father's will when you have surrendered your life to Him. I think this is why Christians who are persecuted in persecuted countries, this is why they get so much of the life of God in them. 
Because when they give their life to Christ, they know if I make this choice and I accept Christ as my Savior, I might as well be dead. Because in this country, you don't accept Christ as your Savior. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Those people know, if I'm coming to Christ, I'm dead. There's, I might as well die. Because I have to hide. I have to run for my life. But I want this God. The life of Christ is when we learn to deny ourselves. And we learn to pick up our crosses and follow after the will of the Father. The will of the Father is important. It is important a son's focus, his life, is about the Father's will. The son's food is to do the will of the Father. His burden is maybe he won't sleep. You will weep, you will cry, you will, you will be, it is like Nehemiah. He hears a story of Jerusalem's walls and everything is crashed. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and puts the Father's will, drives it down into him. And this man weeps, cries. He catches the burden of God, the heart of God. The will of God. I want the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. And this man starts living for that purpose. Living out that will. So that he could finish that work. Finish it. I must finish it. I must finish the Father's work. I must accomplish the Father's will. I must do the Father's will. I must make sure the Father's will gets accomplished. I can't die. I can't die and leave this world knowing that the Father's will, I didn't accomplish it or that I at least transferred it to somebody else who will continue with the work. Do you, you guys are understanding it? The Father's will Ask yourself a question. How much do you pray about the Father's will? That's the question you need to ask yourself. How much do you pray about the Father's will? The Father's desire? Are you concerned? Are you troubled by the Father's will? The Father's purpose? Dit moet die belange van jou hart wees. Dit moet jou sê in Afrikaans. An orphan is not concerned about the father's will. He's concerned about doing the things that he desires to do. And he will not be concerned if it is in conflict with the Father's will. 
you need to search out the Father's will. The Son dominates his, his prayers are dominated by the Father's kingdom and the Father's will. You need to spend some time at the Garden of Gethsemane. And you need to go and pray it through until your will gets left there. Until you are no, in, no more in conflict with the will of the Father. Until you are no longer battling with what the Father wants. The Father's desire. The Father's will. You need to pray it through that you leave there out of that garden a dead man before you even die. That when the people will say, do you not know we can kill you? Then you will say, it is for this reason that I came. I died in the garden before I even got here. This is why I say, you could be dying the wrong death. Just because you're dying doesn't mean you're dying right. If you're dying spiritually, you, then it's a clear indication that you are not denying yourself and picking up your cross and following somebody else's will. If you are dying spiritually, then you are not coming to a place where you're denying yourself and picking up your cross. Because if you follow the Father... If you are with me, if you abide with me, if you abide in my will, if you are with me, you will live, you will bear fruit, you will have fruit, you will do these things, you will have life. That's why in, the, in Isaiah chapter 58, we can read that. Because no, you'll have fun in words. I thought I would be a teacher today and just give you notes. Isaiah 58. Verse 11. He says, And the Lord shall guide you continually. And 58. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. That means when there's spiritual drought, the Lord will satisfy your soul and make fat your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. A spring, Jesus said, in you, the, the Holy Spirit shall be in your well, springing up to, into everlasting life. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus was asking the woman at the well, listen, do you want water? I will give you water. You want to live? You want life? He says, if you drink from this water, you shall live. You shall have everlasting life. And this water will not fail. And this water that I will give you will be in you a well springing up into everlasting life. And this scripture says, you will be like a watered garden whose springs don't fail. That means you will constantly have Revelation, you will constantly have the presence of the Father. You will constantly, you, man, other people can say, the Yere Prati mit mei nie. Maar jy kan say, the Yere Prati mit mei. 
A lot of people say, I feel spiritually dead. You say, no, I feel hunky-dory, alive in God. You're there, a spring that doesn't fail, but the verse starts. It's not just a promise. The promise is connected to the first line. I will guide you continually. That means you have to obey my voice. That means you have to be after my will. You have to follow my where I guide you. Guidance, the will of the Father, the voice of the Father, in the importance of the Father's will. Becoming obedient to the Father's will. Diana, you, you guys are with me? The Father's will is important. It's important. It is important to know the Father's will. So, we know in Christ, the Bible says, we are free. There's liberty. There's freedom. But freedom doesn't mean that, we, that God is always going to tell you something that you really feel free to do. You see, you have the freedom to be obedient to the will of the Father. Do you, are you guys understanding what I'm saying? So we know in grace there's freedom. We know in grace there's liberty. But it doesn't mean, do you think that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was feeling that liberty and freedom of the grace of God? No. He was, fear was on him. He was, I don't know, maybe he was getting depressed. I don't know, but the Bible says he became exceedingly sorrowful. At doing the will of God. At being obedient to the will of the Father. Sorrow was getting him. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. Doesn't sound like grace, life, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so, I want you to know that even in grace when there's freedom and so on, don't always use that freedom and that liberty as a sign that this is the will of God. You must come to know the voice of the Father. You must come to know the voice of the Father. You must concern yourself with the voice of the Father. You understand? So, you will not always want the will of the Father. You will not always feel to be obedient to the will of the Father. It's like, it's like playing a sport. When I used to play tennis, there were sometimes I didn't want to go and train. But I had to go and train. I remember being in America, in a Hilton Head Island, somewhere there close to New York, on an island, and... And the first day of training, we, they made us sweat, work, run, exercise, man. The next day when I got out of bed, yeah, vroeg in the ochtend, 
ons moet nog gaan hardloop. Pijn! Is je buig om net piekie dan daar En nou, nou hard op jy. Beteen is maar. Here goes to sprints. Sprints. Gotta work it out. I mean, that time I didn't know how to... They finished us. I wasn't used to that training. I finished us. But by the time we were finished there, we was fit. Hey, we could run on that court forever. The f- Please don't misunderstand that when there's the will of the Father, it doesn't always mean that you will have the freedom and the liberty that, you, that, you, that we do have in grace. That you probably feel now that you have. That freedom, that joy, that life, that peace. You, you might be sorrowful to be obedient. You might even walk away sad to be obedient or at at the sight of being obedient to God's will. Do we understand? So you have to be someone that surrenders your will to the Father. Amen. Let's go back to Matthew. Matthew. Let me just see. Yes, see, I wanted to finish the chapter today. I wanted to finish Matthew chapter 6 today. <laughs> I wanted to get all the way down to the last verse. Verse 34. Want us to know, yes, my world. Where are we? Verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. He is saying, I am now the agent, the vessel, through whom the Father's will will be accomplished. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I think I'm just going to stop it right there. I think I'm going to leave you with the Father's will. What is the Father's will? Your obedience to, you've got to search out the Father's will. But you've got to surrender your will. You have to surrender your will. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and deliverance. Worldly sorrow for sin does not lead to repentance and deliverance. Amen. Just take some time to think about that now. I want you to leave because the whole time while I was speaking I was just sensing the Lord on His will. His heart. He wants you to search His heart. He wants you to know His heart. He has a will. It's true. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a bright future. I know those plans. I know those plans. But become obedient to my will so that I can fulfill my plans for your life. Become obedient 
Become obedient. Just let's close our eyes. I want you to, to be there. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here this morning to deal with your will. I know it. I can sense it. I feel Him. Take time. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, don't, you always resist. Don't resist when you know he's busy working. Don't resist him. Don't fight. I want to know your heart, Father. I want to know your heart. I want to know your will. I want to know what you, what you are planning. I want to know what you are planning. The Father's will. The Father's will is sometimes His ways of doing things. His ways of doing things. Your desire is not in agreement with the Father's will. You've been wondering why there's no spiritual life. Why spiritually you feel dead? The answer could be because you have not denied yourself and picked up your cross. It's time to pick up the cross and to deny yourself. Sometimes we feel we should pray. But then we have other things we desire to do. We don't deny ourselves and pick up our cross. Father, I pray that, that right now you would make us aware of your will. You make us aware of your will. And I pray, Holy Spirit, deal with us. Deal with us. Deal with us.
वदास Where is the godly sorrow? You want the Father to free you from something you love. You need to ask Him to change your desire in that area. You need to ask Him to change your hearts. 